Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the week, and we're getting you ready for Eagle Saints as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 373. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with my friend Ben Fennel, where we catch up and share our thoughts on the New Orleans Saints and discuss what we think the Eagles will see this Sunday at Lincoln Financial Field. After Chalk Talk, we will then transition to Scouting Report, where we focus in on one of the impact players for this Saints defense, and that's defensive end Marcus Davenport. This is a player that the Saints traded up for in the first round a couple of years ago, and he has developed into a game wrecker for them up front, someone that the Eagles have to be ready for in this matchup. Then to close out the show in faux focus, I chat with a guy who does a great job breaking down the game. College, NFL, doesn't matter. That's Seth Galina from Pro Football Focus. I wanted to catch up with Seth and get his thoughts on this matchup, and he knows this Saints team very, very well. So he's able to provide some outstanding analysis. We will get to that towards the back end of the show. Before we get there, though, just a couple things I want to make sure we hit on at the top. Number one, make sure you go on over to our Apple podcast page. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. If you've got a question about this Eagles team, that's the best way to get it to us here so we can answer it. And it's also the number one way to throw us your support. Appreciate everybody that has done that in recent weeks. You guys continue to flood that Apple podcast page with reviews and with questions and appreciate everybody that has done that lately. Also, make sure you go and check out the Journey to the Draft podcast. Myself and Ben, uh, Dane Brugler, Ross Tucker, Eric Galco, a rotation of steady guests. Uh, every single week. We are breaking down the top names. You do not want to miss it. We're talking about some of the top defensive players in the back seven, uh, in the secondary, especially here in this upcoming episode, as well as getting you ready for this weekend in college football on the Journey to the Draft podcast, wherever podcast can be found. Also, before we get to the start of the show with Ben, I wanted to make sure we uh, included a little piece of my interview. I caught up with the Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen this week on Eagles game plan. We broke down three plays. We did a a 15-yard run from Jordan Howard. We did the big completion, Jalen Hurts to Dallas Goddard for 24 yards, and then also one of the touchdowns to Devontae Smith from Jalen Hurts in this game against the Denver Broncos. Those are the three plays we broke down. We also talked about some things in between as well. Here are some of the highlights from my discussion with Coach Steichen. So Jalen's going to hand this ball off to Jordan, but you can see, too, going back to Tyree, just that little bluff he does right there on the Sam linebacker gets him to settle his feet and then play back out into Tyree a little bit, which allows Kelsey to get a nice kick-out block right there on the Sam linebacker. And then you can see Lane pulling around, kicking out the inside shoulder of the Mike linebacker. And again, a really good double team by Jack right there and Jordan. And Jack coming off off to that backside linebacker and then Jordan seeing it and hitting it downhill and then splitting the defense right there uh, coming through that thing. So heck of a play, well-executed play. And then again, the finish right here by Jordan with the ball security, you know, high and tight right there. Heck of a run. Coach, it's one of those things where you look at the tight ends and you, you have the influence from Tyree Jackson, the great job on the double team. Uh, speak about those guys, two young players that had to step in after the injury to Dallas Goddard and what you've seen from these young guys since you've been here. Yeah, no doubt. Those guys have definitely stepped up. Uh, Jack and Tyree have done a heck of a job. Uh, you know, Tyree playing quarterback and now playing tight end and what he's uh, he been able to do the last two weeks uh, has been fantastic. Uh, Coach Jason Michael does a heck of a job with those guys getting them prepared week in and week out. 
And then with Jordan, one of the things we've always talked about uh, with him here on the show is he's got that skill set where he can be a tone setter early for an offense and then a closer late, and that's certainly the role he's played here the last couple weeks. Yeah, no, he's done a heck of a job. Again, he's played a lot of football in this league, and so he's running it well right now. Again, he's seeing it well. He's hitting it downhill. He's being physical, and he's been able to break a lot of tackles uh, and create these explosive plays in the run game that we need. And this is just great, subtle movement right here by Jalen in the pocket, stepping up, keeping two hands on the ball and send his target line to Dallas right here for a big time third down conversion uh, and a credit to Brian Johnson, our quarterback coach. We, I mean, he does these drills all the time with Jalen in pre-practice and it's starting to pay off. Coach Sirianni talked about it earlier this week where, you know, maybe earlier in the season you may have seen Jalen, especially when he squares up to the line of scrimmage when he steps up, maybe he, that's a, an opportunity where he might take the chance to run with the football, but his ability to stick with this play, keep his eyes downfield, shows that growth that he's made. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime you can create these explosive plays in the pass game, keeping your eyes down the field and not having to take a hit right there by running it and getting that big play, uh, obviously that's big time. And this is a play where we saw earlier in this drive where he's going to take that big hit on the throw to Jalen Rager. So a couple of really good examples here from Jalen Hurts, his ability to hang in the pocket under pressure. Yeah, no question. Anytime you can hang in the pocket under pressure and make these big-time throws, uh, that's great growth by him, great improvement, uh, and he continues to get better every week. And that one going to Devontae Smith. Coach, he's had a huge couple of weeks here. Talk about what you've seen from Devontae, and obviously the opportunities have been there. This is exactly what you've seen from him from day one, but uh, just speak to how the rookie has performed so far. Well, yeah, I think it, I always start with, you know, the separations and the preparation week in and week out and his mental makeup and how he prepares weekly uh, for his game day, getting ready, you know, Monday through Saturday. It's starting to show. I mean, it shows every week and it's really starting to show up. And when we have those opportunities to hit him with big plays, uh, he's finding the uh, open voids and he's getting open. He's winning the one-on-one -on -one matchup. So he's continuing to improve and getting better uh, every week. So he's a heck of a football player. So for that entire segment, be sure to go check out Eagles Game Plan or just look for Tape Study when that goes up on Friday afternoon on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and all of the Eagles digital channels. Uh, again, we broke down three plays there. Some of that stuff's not always podcast-friendly because you need that visual aid, so make sure you go check out the full breakdown over on Eagles Game Plan. Speaking of Eagles Game Plan, let's get now uh, with a guy who helps me produce that show each and every week. That's Ben Fennell. It's time now for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, well, let's dive into this Eagles-Saints matchup as I welcome in my friend Ben Fennell to uh, talk through this. And, and Ben, before we get to Eagles-Saints, um, real quick, let's just look back to Eagles-Chargers. I want to get your thoughts on what we saw from uh, this Eagles offense because you know we've talked about how, what they looked like in the previous couple of games and obviously led by that run game. But what stood out to me watching, and, and I know it stood out to you too, was uh, in this game here, we saw a lot more multiplicity from the run game in terms of what they were doing schematically. Yeah, I, I think when you go back to uh, whether it was the Raiders game, the Lions game, the Chargers game, it was a lot of inside zone, split zone, and the basic zone read, right? Where they're just going to read the, the defensive end and play off that. In this game, we saw so much more from uh, whether they were pulling guys and some of their gap schemes. We saw a lot more from the, the QB run game uh, in terms of who they were reading and different plays off of that. Uh, I thought that, that we just saw a little bit more multiplicity here in this run, run game this week against Denver. Yeah, really diverse run game, not only committing to the run game, but throwing a lot of different run concepts and elements at the opponent, all the different quarterback runs, pulling guards, pulling centers, obviously the zone game that we're really efficient at. Jalen Hurts, not only reading defensive ends in the zone read, 
We saw him reading defensive tackles, second-level defenders, a lot to account for in this Eagles run game. So not only are they committing to it, but throwing a very diverse schematic uh, rushing attack at opponents, it's really tough to prepare for. And that's the thing is that when you talk about it from a pure X's and O's standpoint, okay, there's a lot, there's a lot that we have to prepare for from that standpoint, right? But then you go to a personnel standpoint, and it's like, okay, well, uh, you have Boston Scott, you have Jordan Howard. Uh, when Miles Sanders gets back, you put him back in there. You have Kenny Gainwell, and obviously Jalen Hurts, right? So uh, as a, as a defense, you are preparing for, hey, when this guy's in the game, these are the kinds of runs they typically have. Hey, when this guy's in the game, these are these kinds of runs. But then you have to prepare for all the different layers schematically. So uh, it just adds a lot on a defense's play to say, like, okay, like we have all these things from an X and O standpoint, and then from a Jimmy Joe standpoint, there's also a lot to take into account as well. No question. And a lot of this being done on early downs and first down. And it's no, no secret. The efficiency in the run game is keeping them on schedule down in distance, keeping them into more manageable third downs. And in result, Fran, we've been converting more third downs the past couple of weeks. And, you know, I think that all is part of the formula and part of the recipe uh, with how this offense needs to be game planned each week and how they need to execute on Sundays. I think they've done a really good job, uh, not only in the game planning and kind of how they want to attack the opponents, but then coming out on Sunday and sticking with that game plan. It's obviously a young coaching staff. They're still figuring out, you know, their ways during the week and in the course of games. Um, so it's really great to see them kind of stick to a formula and a recipe and find something that's working. And it's something too, you know, when we talk about uh, this offensive offensive attack, you mentioned the third downs and we talked about it last week, I believe here uh, on the show was, how they're going to need to be really good when you get into that third and short, third and medium game, you know, and there, there are certain play uh, plays in the game plan on a weekly basis that, Hey, this is for our third and short. This is for third and medium. Those game plans, each or those parts of the game plan every week are going to need to be sound because it's an area that the Eagles, if you continue to run the football, that's going to be an area you're going to face uh, more often than not. And so uh, the Eagles have been really efficient in that area these last couple of weeks for sure. Yeah, and we have to give hats off to Jalen Hurts. And I think his play on third down has really been outstanding. And, you know, the first couple of weeks and months of the season, the narrative of Jalen Hurts was, you know, it was either the quick game, screen aspect, manufactured completions, or taking low percentage shots down the field. And that really isn't how he's been passing the ball the past few weeks. And if you look at uh, this Broncos game last week, throwing the ball efficiently in the short to intermediate windows that aren't screens, that aren't manufactured passes. And just this past week, under 20 yards passing, he was 15 of 16 for 142 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Incredibly efficient. And that's without really a heavy screen game. I think he had the one against the cover zero all-out blitz. And, and the boss got one of the opening drive, the 18 yard Yeah, the one running back screen, which was a great design off of a uh, kind of a play staple that you had talked about in your All-22 review and the post-snap read, a really cool uh, identification from you, but Jalen Hurts being efficient in the quick game passing, the intermediate stuff, that really excites me. And it excites me that that's what he's being asked to do. I don't love the low percentage shot plays as a staple of the offense. Take your risks, you know, take your shots here and there, but it shouldn't be a fixture of his pass game. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in the short intermediate windows, facing the blitz, facing man-to-man -man coverage, all those areas that he kind of struggled. He's really taken strides and we criticize him when it's bad. We got to praise him when he's, you know, doing the right thing and playing well. And he's really impressed me. 
Yeah, and, and especially considering you're missing Dallas Goddard after what was it, the second drive. Uh, only two targets for Goddard in this game, both were receptions. But uh, to, to lose one of your primary pass catchers and then to continue to be that efficient in the pass game, I thought was really impressive. And it really helped set up this matchup here against this Saints defense. And that was what we wanted to really kind of focus on early in the show when we were putting together Eagles game plan this week is that, uh, you know, one of the things we love to watch is this Saints defense and the third down pressure package and what they do uh, in terms of what they do with their fronts. And then also from a coverage aspect and uh, with Greg Cosell this week on the show, he's going to break down the front and the pressure, what they do from a blitz standpoint. Um, but we also wanted to make sure we hit on the man coverage aspect of it. And it was one of the big themes coming out of this game against the Broncos was a lot of the Eagles biggest plays came when Denver played man coverage. And that helped kind of set up a nice kind of uh, matchup to watch here in this game. Yeah, and a lot of those plays were kind of tied together with man coverage and blitz calls from the Broncos and Vic Fangio's defense. But we're seeing the strides of Jalen Hurts as a quarterback in committing to defeating the blitz with his arm and his mind. And I think early in the season last year, he was a little quick to run, a little quick to get into that, I'm going to out-athlete you mode when I have a free hitter. We saw him defeating pressure with his arm on Sunday, whether it was the quick screen out on the double tunnels or whether it's hitting Devontae Smith over the middle against cover zero in the red zone, those are plays that he wasn't committing to early in the season. So I love, and we talk about it all the time, you have to be able to beat the blitz with your arm as well as your athleticism. So to see him go 9 of 11 against the blitz on Sunday, that's really impressive. And I think that's a performance, might be his signature performance yeah. as a professional, and really one to start stacking and build off of. And that's the thing is that even one of those incompletions against the blitz was that first cover zero they saw in the red zone, the first third down red zone snap of the game. And in that play, they had the free runner right in his face coming off his right side. And that was a, that was a good scramble, right? Like there are good scrambles and bad scrambles when you're looking at quarterback. That was a, a good, like, yeah, get out of Dodge. You had the free runner. You have to make that guy miss. And that was a well-timed blitz. Yes. It was third down. Sometimes they, they hit that free gap, you know, well-timed and you have no choice, but to drop your eyes and say, yep. I got to beat this guy. Yep, and so he did a good job. And when he did break the pocket, what did he do? Did he just take off for the sideline and, and run for three yards and, and they're forced to kick a field goal? No, like he's playing with his eyes downfield and was waiting for some of his receivers uh, to uncover. So uh, to me, like continue to see him get a little bit more decisive and comfortable. And that is just as much from a, like a mental and like confidence standpoint as it is like going out and executing on the field from a physical side of it, right? It's just that, that comfort level. And I thought we saw that from Jalen Hurts in this game. Uh, just talk about the same from a Saints standpoint. Um, what do you, what stands out to you watching them defensively, especially when you get to third down? Well, obviously their run defense is the best in the NFL. They're really stout up front or long They're tough. Those two linebackers, Quan and Demario Davis are really impressive players. Our old friend Malcolm Jenkins is obviously a smart, reliable, uh, often down in the box football players down the middle of this defense is really, really tough. They're nasty. They're physical and some pretty veteran corners on the outside, guys like Marshawn Lattimore. They're a complete group. They don't usually give you the free ones, the cheapies, the, the boneheaded busts, and the missed tackles. In fact, they have the second fewest missed tackles in the NFL. Disciplined group. You know what you're going to get with them. There's not a whole lot of secrets with them. Um, and I think it's going to be a really fun challenge. As much as I want to talk about third down and the Jalen Hurts against the Blitz and cover one, I think this game's all about first down for him and our running attack against their prolific run defense and who can kind of stay on schedule and keep Jalen Hurts out of the third and tens, third and nines. Oh, did you have a penalty announced third and 14s that kind of plagued this team through September and October? 
really have cleaned that up the past couple of weeks. So buckle the chin strap and it's a big test on Sunday. Yeah. And obviously, look, when you're talking about great run defense, um, you know, that that'll certainly be a factor in this game when you then add in the the effect that Jalen Hurts can have on a rushing attack, though, and just having that athletic quarterback, adding that dimension. We talked about it earlier. Something we saw from the Eagles last week against Denver was, hey, we're not just going to line up and run inside zone and it's our guys versus your guys, but it's the threat of the zone read. It's the threat of Jalen keeping the football. Uh, and that can add some, uh, add layers of difficulty from a defensive standpoint. And so we'll, we'll see how much the Eagles are able to take advantage of that here in this game, especially considering how often the saints will play in some of those light boxes. Now you're getting uh, even more back in your favor from a number standpoint offensively. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really, Really tough defensive front there. Yeah. All right, let's go over to the other side of the football. And obviously, look, this is a Saints offense that's uh, very banged up. You know, they haven't had Michael Thomas all year. They lose Jameis Winston a couple weeks ago. They lose Alvin Kamara last week, so he was out. Um, they're, they're banged up at a, at a number of different areas. No Teron Armstead, no Andrews Pete, right? So uh, at every level, they're, they're missing pieces. But when you see what Trevor Simeon has done since he's come in, I, that was something when we were talking with Greg Cosell leading into the week's worth of production, we're like, Greg, what, what do you want to focus on here from an offensive standpoint? And we talked about the possibilities of using, Hey, like uh, the Taysom Hill package, or, you know, maybe we look at the running backs in the past game, no matter who's back there, they like to get those guys, the football in space, right? We saw the wheel route to Mark Ingram. We obviously time Montgomery. They're working him in. So no matter who's back there, they're going to throw the football. Greg was adamant. He said, look, I, I want to talk about Trevor Simeon. And so that was the breakdown this week um, was what Simeon can do from a game management standpoint. And as you say all the time, you know, who's looking for a game manager? Everybody. And that's exactly what Sean Payton's got in, uh, in Trevor Simeon. Yeah, you know, he's maybe not a quarterback to wow you. He's maybe not a quarterback that you're going to, you know, expect to come back from two scores in the fourth quarter and put the team on his back. But he's a guy that can make explosive plays in the pass game, operate your offense. And at the end of the day, he's a guy you can win with. You know, he's played for five different teams in this league. He's been in the league for six years now. He's a veteran guy. There's very little defense and coverage and blitz aspect he hasn't seen, which gives the Saints a fighting chance, just like you saw last week against possibly the top team in the NFL and the Tennessee Titans. They were kind of stride for stride with them. You know, at the end of the day, I think the Titans front and defense kind of caught up with them a little bit. That Titans team is playing really good football, even without Derrick Henry out there. And they went toe-to-toe with them. So I think that just kind of speaks to the Saints being a complete team, a defensive team. That's the quarterback you can win with. And they have an identity on offense, despite not having all those bells and whistles and Camaros and Mike Thomas and Teron Armstead. You would love to be operating with a full deck, but they're still going to throw to the running backs in the pass game. They're going to take their shots to the speedy guys on the outside. Love involving the tight ends over the middle of the field, whether it's Taysom Hill or Adam Trotman and guys like that. Don't let one of these young receivers become a star on our dime. You know, so Sean Payton's an experienced coach. He knows how to game plan during the week. And this is not a game to say backup quarterback, you know, maybe take a little bit more of a passive approach. No, you have to get at this guy and you have to try to disrupt just like the Titans did on Sunday. And that's one of the things, honestly, looking at it from an Eagle standpoint that I was most excited by watching this game against the Broncos because uh, the Eagles were able to get in the third and long often. We broke a play down. An example of it was the Derek Barnett sack where it was third and 11. And you're seeing some different things from this front and from this pressure package where, uh, you know, the Eagles have been on the lower end in terms of stunt calls and blitz calls over the course of the, the season. We've seen that slowly get a little bit higher and higher and higher in recent weeks. The stunt led to the sack there for Derek Barnett. But throughout this game, third and long, 
the Eagles are doing a lot of different things from a pressure standpoint, whether it's uh, you know putting Alex Singleton up on the line of scrimmage and looping him around for a quarterback hurry, forcing an incompletion, uh, whether it's sending uh, the nickel corner and the offside, off backer from the left side and dropping a couple guys off from the right and getting home and forcing a quick throw. We're just starting to see a little bit more creativity. And when you get into third and long, that kind of opens up the, the, the door a little bit to be there as opposed to when it's third and three or third and two, which the Eagles found themselves in too often in, re, in uh, the beginning part of the season. You know, we've both taken note of their increased pressure and blitz calls over the past couple of weeks, but something we talk about a lot, not just with those blitz calls, they're disguising them really well. Right. And anytime you can disguise your defenses, that really tells me you're playing confidently. You're playing fast. You're okay with showing this, knowing we have to go to another spot. If you're not assignment sound or you have too many interchangeable parts and the communication's bad, you're having coverage bust, you can't disguise things. You need to go back to the basics. You need to be more vanilla. So to see that Detroit game of Alex Singleton creeping up like he's going to blitz and all of a sudden it's the other linebacker. Or this past week, Jannard Avery was mugging the B-gap, him and Barnett bail out, and it's TJ Edwards and Avante Maddox. Every time I see that pre-snap confidence of disguising, trying to confuse opposing offenses, knowing that, hey, we're attacking. We're in an advantageous situation. We're going to play confidently. We're going to dictate the action. That gets me excited, and they're playing faster, smarter, and obviously that aggressive nature is really yielding results in the past couple weeks, beating the Lions, nearly beating the Chargers, and then going out to Denver and knocking off a pretty solid you know, Denver Bronco team and a veteran quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater. This defense is playing really well. And Avante Maddox, I thought, played outstanding in October. Davion Taylor and TJ Edwards are looking really good here in November. So I'm excited to see them kind of build and take it into December, and we'll see where it goes from there. One stat that you sent me, uh, was like before I even turned the film on on Monday, um, was, had to do with how tight the Eagles' coverage was in this game. Not necessarily from a press standpoint, you know, early in the down, guys up on the line of scrimmage, but just in terms of contesting the catch point. I don't know if you still have that stat uh, readily available, but you sent it to me very early Monday morning. Yeah, so I had noticed on the tape, I had gotten ahead of the tape just a smidge before you came in on Monday morning. Notice the corners were up just a little bit more at the line of scrimmage particularly Steven Nelson in some instances. Sometimes even it looked like he was maybe a step across the line, just you know, still figuring out that press depth. But it looked like they were reduced depth on the outside and just challenging the catch point more. And then I went ahead and looked at one of my favorite next-gen stats, which is just called open percentage, which the player that's targeted in the pass game, if he has three yards of separation, he's considered open. And the Eagles through weeks one to nine, 30th in the NFL and allowing open receiver targets. As we know, zone coverage, usually allowing easy completions. Guys like Justin Herbert, Derek Carr, very prolific and efficient against us. Well, this past week, the open percentage, we were fifth in the NFL. And I just saw a huge difference with challenging the catch point and not allowing as easy a completions. And I think a lot of that had to do with just reducing the depth of the outside corners. And maybe being a little bit quicker to challenge those intermediate and underneath throws, which in the past, we've obviously wanted to protect the deep ball and keep it in front of us. Just being a little bit tighter and quick twitch on some of those underneath routes. And I thought it looked really good on Sunday. 
And that's the thing. Like I said, it's not necessarily that, oh, they played a lot more press coverage. I think you looked at the numbers. The press numbers were relatively the same from a percentage standpoint. Um, but it, it just the, the contesting the throws, being a little bit to, hey, instead of, if you're playing an off coverage, instead of it being uh, 12 yards of depth on third and eight, it's eight yards of depth on third and eight or seven yards of depth on third and eight, and that allowing uh, you to be a little bit closer uh, at the catch point. So uh, something to watch here moving forward into this game against the Saints and that receiving core. And also, real quick, uh, we, we were talking with Ike Reese going into production of Eagles game plan. I said, who's a guy that's really stood out to you? And he really wanted to highlight Darius Slay, not because of the, the, the touchdown and the fumble recovery, which obviously was a lot of fun, but just because of his play and coverage and obviously the, a guy that uh, deserves praise for the way that he's playing. They had a fun conversation on uh, Ike's radio show, I think, on Tuesday out of Chicken and Pete's and Slay just talking about he couldn't catch his breath for about a half hour after that <laughs> uh, the run and just went through the whole play-by-play of seeing the ball pop out because Fletch was squirming on the ground for it. And then he dropped the ball after he recovered it. And that actually helped him because he thought he would have gotten tackled if he held on to it. There's a funny back and forth with Slay and uh, Ike Reese. Always great to uh, hear them chalk up a, uh, a big play from Sunday. Was there another stat that you had pulled for us uh, that you that you really liked? I don't know if the uh, the coverage one, the the tight coverage one, was the one that you had pulled. Yeah, Fran, and it's just another kind of comment off of this run game against the run defense. I feel mm. like we're kind of the Avengers against Thanos here. It's a big showdown here, and that you know the Eagles committing to the run game. They have the best explosive run rate in the NFL: forty six runs of ten or more yards. Well, the Saints are allowing the fewest explosive runs and the second fewest missed tackles. It's really a battle of the best versus the best right now and i'm excited for us to kind of have that litmus test to say yeah we've been running the ball pretty well we've been running it a lot let's see how we do against one of these better units in the nfl and if this thing's for real or not and if we're going to commit to it against a team that is saying oh you want to run let's go we're going to stop the run so i want to see if we're going to stick with it and if it doesn't work early friend are we going to stay with it and commit to it or have to kind of veer course and go out something else. So I think it's going to be a really fun game in the trenches, especially on first down. Is there a, uh, an individual matchup that stands out most to you coming into this one that, that uh, you think will be most pivotal? Well, you know, I've been talking about that Titans defensive front all season. Jeffrey Simmons, Nico Autry really got after this Saints offensive line. They have some injuries on the left side. Some of their mainstays on the right side didn't look that great. So I really want to see, Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, Milton Williams, Josh Sweat, Barnett, the Blitz, attack this offensive line. You got to attack the backups, but don't be afraid to get after Cesar Ruiz and Ramchek and some of the mainstays too. Trevor Simeon's out there, probably not going to run around a whole lot. You know where he's going to be. Let's get after him, whether it's individually or the pressure game. So I want to attack the Saints O-line. Uh, for me, I went actually to the other side of the football. I'll be very interested to see how they uh, decide they want to play from a coverage standpoint against the Eagles. And we talked about the man coverage aspect of it. But if they do want to go in man-to-man, will we see a lot of Marshawn Lattimore plastered on Devontae Smith? I, I would expect that to be the case, right? I mean, we've seen Lattimore be that uh, that that uh, the guy that will shadow the opposing number one. He doesn't do it every single game, um, but we've seen him do it at times. And I kind of wonder if the Saints look at this receiving core and say, hey, we're not going to allow – Devontae Smith to beat us. The last two games, he's been outstanding. He's been very productive. Uh, will they put Marshawn Lattimore on, on Devontae Smith every single time they go man-to-man? Yeah, it's going to be a really good matchup. And, you know, I just have a visual of Lattimore battling big Mike Evans so many times yeah, over the right. years, twice a year for the last four and five years. 
that's a big boy battle. And uh, Devontae Smith, obviously, a much different body package yep. Yep. than uh, Mike Evans. So I want to see, hey, if they're going to be playing a lot of press man. I love that play we rolled out in week one where you motion him to a stack, you force that press coverage off, suddenly he has room to work, and he beats a guy vertically. Mm. So I want to see if we can maybe get Devontae out of those press coverage situations and uh, give him some free access. Well, something certainly uh, to watch. We are going to stay on this side of the football, the Eagles offense against the Saints defense. With our scouting report segment, we're going to do New Orleans Saints defensive end Marcus Davenport. Let's get to that segment right now. Hey, Eagles fans, get ready for the game each Sunday with an exclusive look at Eagles pregame warmups brought to you live each week. When you join myself, Amy Campbell, and Eagles insider Dave Spadaro on the kickoff show presented by Exalta, we provide Eagles-focused analysis, late-breaking news, and the team perspective that you cannot get anywhere else. The kickoff show presented by Exalta can be seen live 50 minutes before kickoff on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and the team's social media channels. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, Ben, let's dial the clock back to 2018. This was the same class for Eagles defensive end Josh Sweat. Marcus Davenport went significantly earlier than Josh Sweat did. He was uh, traded up for in the top 15. I believe he went, was it 13 overall? Uh, I actually don't have that in my notes, but I'm pretty sure uh, it was top 15. The Saints traded up. They used an extra first-round pick. Yeah, I remember at the time when they made that move, uh, you know, all Saints trade up. They're, they're moving up uh, from the, the, later in the first round up, and I was like, oh, this is going to be for Lamar Jackson. This is it. They're, they're trading up for, for Lamar Jackson. And then I heard it's Marcus Davenport, and I was floored uh, that that was the pick because Davenport, extremely gifted, um, but obviously was still viewed as a little bit raw coming from UTSA, um, but uh, he's turned into a really, really good player. Yeah, he was actually the 14th overall pick. 14th pick, there we go. Yep, and traded with the Packers, who eventually got a Jair Alexander later in the first round there. There you go. Um, but yeah, really interesting kind of edge class year to look back on. Bradley Chubb at the top of the group. Harold Landry falling to the second round with the knee injury. You had some guys like Sam Hubbard, Kamoko Ture. We ended up snagging Josh Sweat uh, later in the draft. Ended up being one of the, probably one of the better edge rushers in this group. Arden Key was kind of all over the place. Uh, Nuoso out of USC is an interesting player, but Marcus Davenport at the UTSA, University of Texas San Antonio, the Roadrunners, playing some good football this year. He was a fun player to study, friend, because he was big, he was long, he was explosive, and he was raw. So you just knew he had a lot of upside, a lot of development. He was 6056, 264, ran a really impressive 458 at the combine, which I went back and did some research from 2000 to 2018. So a 18-year window, there was 200 players that were 6'6", 260. He had the third-best 40. It was Montez Sweat, Jimmy Graham, and Marcus Davenport. Wow. So a pretty impressive time there as far as being a height-weight speed player, really productive player at UTSA, 21.5 sacks, 37.5 TFL. That actually might have just been his last year, if I'm not mistaken. I think he had some stupid numbers out there. But he was a really impressive pass rusher. He saw long arms, bull rushes, inside grips, speed to power, seemed like every week he was bull rushing one of these poor tackles out there uh, right on their butt. I can't remember what conference they play in the Southland or the Southern. Uh, they were uh, Conference USA. Conference USA, yeah. Um, and then he showed up to the Senior Bowl. I thought he looked decent in practice, had a really big game, or he had a nice sack against Brian O'Neill, got on the scoreboard with the scoop and score touchdown, uh, just getting his name in the paper. But uh, he was an interesting player with his length, his burst, uh, his heavy-handedness on bull rushes. Just was a little bit raw with some run defense stuff, his pad level, uh, his hand usage at time, just disengaging. 
uh, fast enough and kind of stacking and shedding blocks. Was a raw player, but he was really fun. And I think it's kind of an interesting discussion to see, was he worth the 14th overall pick, Fran? Was he worth the future draft capital to get that pick at 14 as well? I think is really part of the conversation. Um, when you look at him and the rest of the edge group, I think it's Marcus Davenport and Josh Sweat. But was he worth the pick at the time in the capital? I think it's a fun discussion. Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at the – to me, like looking at pass rushers, obviously we know that that is a premier position, right? And that's viewed as uh, one of the more valuable spots on the football field. And so if you're trading up, uh, you ideally are trading up for – and it's, that, that was the thing. was you, When you saw they're trading up, oh, and it's with another, another number one pick – like, oh, you're only doing that for a quarterback. But I guess if there was another position that you're making that move for, it's for a high-end trait pass rusher. Uh, and so when it was Davenport, while it was shocking, it was like, okay, like I kind of get the, the rationalization behind it, especially with where the Saints were in terms of how they viewed their window, right, to go and win another Super Bowl. Hey, let, look, we're on the back end of Drew Brees here. Uh, let's go. Let's continue to load up this defense. Um, you, know, you already had Cam Jordan in the building uh, as somebody that could train it. And we know that Cam Jordan is one of those guys that, uh, he's the Pied Piper in that room, right? And he can get, kind of bring everybody along. Uh, look, up to this point, this season, Marcus Davenport was not a starter. He was their third guy off. The, he was the next guy off the bench. Trey Hendrickson was the starter opposite Cam Jordan, and Davenport would come on uh, as a rotational player and play in their sub package, which they live in their sub package. But uh, to me, like when you look at what they paid for it, yeah, maybe not quite what they would have exactly hoped for back in 2018. That said, this is a guy that's the, the arrow is continuing to go up. I mean, he was 21 years old when he was dragged. He was a 21 year old rookie. So, uh, well, only a few years removed. This guy's not 25 yet. Uh, well, not 26 yet. So I think when you look at the arrow pointing up on him still, I, his best football still might even be ahead of him, uh, which is wild to say. Yeah. You know, you have to think the Saints really thought he was going to be a Khalil Mack level player or a Demarcus Ware level player. You remember Demarcus Ware came out of Troy. Yep. Khalil Mack came out of Buffalo. Not the most conventional schools to acquire top half of the first round pass rusher. Marcus Davenport coming out of UTSA, having a lot of upside, a lot of potential, a little bit unknown as far as his uh, buzz as a prospect. You have to think that that was kind of the trajectory that they thought he was going to be on. Has he lived up to that expectation? Khalil Mack and DeMarcus Ware are pretty special players, yes, and correct. he still has a chance to get there. Um, but you have to kind of think that that was their projection of him at the time i do think it's interesting too you know when you look at we talk about this all the time over on the journey of the draft podcast is uh how teams have identities and have types and, and what they want to try and get whether it's position specific or just types of players and i think when you look at the new orleans saints and the way that they draft it's a lot of trait-based scouting. It's a lot of, you know, and I think when you look at Jeff Ireland, who uh, he's like their director of player personnel or their vice president of player personnel, Mickey Loomis is the general manager, but uh, you look at Jeff Ireland and him coming from the Bill Parcells school of scouting, it's like, yeah, well, it's trait-based. We want guys that are unique in terms of their body type and their trait style. And I think when you look at Davenport, he certainly fits that bill. Uh, they have not been afraid in the past to go down the small school rabbit hole, right? And you know, that's, that's a place that the Saints have had a lot of success in recent years, maybe as much or, or as more uh, than anybody in the NFL. And so uh, clearly that was not something that scared them away. What I also love about this, and we talked about it a little bit earlier uh, this week with Greg, was when you look at the Saints defensive line and how they're kind of put together, uh, when they get into that sub when it's third and nine, you've got like four or five guys lined up across from you as an offensive line. 
we were like, oh, like Marcus Davenport, Tano Passano, Cam Jordan, David Onyemata. Uh, you get a Peyton Turner who they just traded, drafted the first round this year, right? All these guys have that same body type and they'll line up inside, they'll line up outside. They've got long arms. They're really powerful. They've got explosive traits. All, and it's like, man, like they all just look the same and they're, we don't know who's coming, who's going. It's, it's, it makes it a lot of fun to watch. I mean, it's cool to see that identity because it's a, a group that's been established there for a long time. Yeah, and it even kind of goes back to like previous eras with this team. And, you know, it just seems like they have a style, they have a fit, um, they have a preference. And I love the the willingness they go off the beaten path for the small school guys. You yep. can go back to the previous era with like a Jari Evans, you know, yeah, coming out sure. of Bloomsburg. But, you know, for the past 10 years, I get guys like Akeem Hicks out of Canada and Teron Armstead out of Arkansas Pine Bluff or David Onyemata out yep. of Manitoba. You know, I think you just see this all the time. You know, Marcus Davenport being the 14th overall pick from UTSA. We're all really glad they grabbed Boston Scott out of Louisiana Tech and eventually made his way here to the Eagles. You know, it's just a, a willingness. They'll go over every stone and uh, D3 Canada is a good player and they have a projection on them and they feel good about it. They're going to take them where they really feel confident to take them. And whether it's trading up for Davenport or, you know, taking a, you know, a guy like uh, Akeem Hicks in the third round who nobody knew of or Armstead in the third round. I just love that. I love the willingness to kind of take that risk and trust yourself. Yeah. Like I said, it's something that we talk about often over on the Journey to the Draft podcast where you can check out Ben and I, we'll be breaking down all the big matchups you need to be aware of going into this week's game, or this week's slate of games in college football. Ben, uh, we'll talk to you over on Journey to the Draft uh, here ne- tomorrow, and we will uh, talk to you back next week here on the Eagle on the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. Well, great stuff there from Ben, who you can follow on Twitter, just like I do, at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. And while you're at it, I'm at Eagles XOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support the show, but the best way is to go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating, leave us a comment, leave us a question. Love everybody that has done that lately. And if you leave us a question, we will always answer it here on the show. Appreciate everybody that has done that in recent weeks. I told you at the beginning of the show, we were going to talk with Seth Galina from Pro Football Focus. Let's get to that interview now for Faux Focus. What's this matchup look like from the other side? It's time to find out in Faux Focus. Well, excited to welcome to the show for the very first time, uh, Seth Galina. You can follow his work over at Pro Football Focus. You can follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Seth, or you can make sure you go subscribe to the Two High podcast. Uh, Seth, I love listening to your, uh, what you and Deontay Lee, uh, former Eagles fan, by the way, uh, Deontay Lee, uh, make sure you go over subscribe to that podcast. I, say, I, like I don't want to put him on blast and say, oh yeah, like diehard Eagles fan. He's, got, he's, trying, he's giving good analysis. I don't want to you know, say like uh, he's definitely an Eagles fan through and through, but uh, dude, I, I love your guys' show. I listen to every single week and uh, you guys really do a great job of, of breaking things down for everybody all across the NFL and college football as well. Deontay is, is definitely, don't let him, don't let him gaslight you. Deontay <laughs> is an Eagles fan through and through, and he's just coping with this, these last couple of years in, in, in a different way, but he is an Eagles fan through and through. <laughs> I love it. Well, well, let's get into, uh, into this match because I'm sure you guys will be breaking it down from both sides here, uh, coming up on the podcast. But, uh, as always, I will ask you to put on your offensive coordinator hat. You're going to be Pete Carmichael here, uh, for the saints in this question. Um, what's the biggest strength for the saints right now, offensively, uh, what gives you the most confidence in your ability to win this game going up against the Eagles? Well, I think if the offensive line is healthy, 
that really helps them out. Yep. They've had troubles when they've had to play people who who aren't great on the offensive line. Uh, so and and they found players to play in certain roles. James Hurst has come in. He was their swing tackle. He's come in and played guard really well. He's come in to play tackle really well. So I just wonder if they can find places for even Calvin Throckmorton, the rookie out of Oregon, has come in and played well at, at both guard spots. So it, it'll be interesting to see who's healthy for the Saints offensive line because that's always been a problem. And then honestly, <laughs> Trevor Simeon has been really good. You're like not- I don't, I can't, I can't even explain this to anyone. The receivers are are not very good. Uh, they played without Alvin Kamara, and I do love Mark Ingram. He's one of my favorite players of all time. But you know, he he's obviously getting up there in age, and he doesn't give you the same stuff, especially in the passing game that that Alvin Kamara can give you. So Simeon has just been really good with the football. He hasn't, you know, forced the ball anywhere. You know, quote unquote, taking what the defense is given, but he has thrown the ball down the field. He has thrown the ball in deep out routes that have been really, really, um, really good for them. They just, you know, the sense issues. They, their receiving core is as bad as I, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I can't think of a of a worse receiving core certainly in the league this season. Deontay Harris has played very well, but I don't think he's the type of he's a he's a wide receiver one. Their wide receiver one is is Marcus Callaway in terms of like what they want from wide receiver one. It's Marcus sure. Callaway, and that that's that's just not. It's not. It's not worked. Kenny Stills has come in and and been okay, but he's dropped some passes that I think they need to to get for the explosive plays that they just can't find this year. But Simeon has done a good job, and honestly. And and you 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 had Taysom Hill back this week playing tight end, which I think is a good role for him. Wildcat quarterback, tight end, and they just need to find some play a playmaker there. They need it. They needed OBJ badly. Oh, yeah, so really I was gonna. Did. I was gonna bring that up. Obviously, they missed out on the OBJ uh, sweepstakes a week ago. Uh, no Michael Thomas this season, as he's been de- dealing with uh, with that injury. So uh, when you look at the offense and how they've tried to patch things together, uh, it's been a lot of uh, all right. We're gonna put uh, a piece of gum here, a little piece of scotch tape there, and we're just gonna try and figure it out. Taysom Hill kind of sprinkled in uh, in a number of different ways. You know, running the football, throwing the football a couple times last week, and obviously as a receiver as well. So just trying to find ways to generate some of those explosive plays. Yeah, and I think like you know you you got to give credit to Pete Carmichael and Sean Payton for creating an offense. Now I. I <laughs> I'll tell you what, I don't love how often they run the ball early, but I, I like I, I I kind of understand it. They mm-hmm. don't feel comfortable throwing the football, especially on early downs. They want to control the football. Uh they want to they run the clock a bit. They want to run the football. With Kamara back, you know, that that helps you a bit. They're not super diverse anymore in the run game, I find. Uh they're really just an outside zone team, which I think is really interesting that they've kind of, now they're a little different now that that Ingram is back. They can run a little more duo. But you know, they're just trying to like grind out wins. And it's been they've been close. They're five and four. I tweeted, I think they're they're a nine and oh team in a four in five and four body, uh, <laughs> which is a little a little biased. I understand that. But. But they've been they've been really close, and obviously the the defense that we'll talk about them has been really the key. But but the offense has has looked interesting. Mm-hmm. You know that's my kind of word. They, they've looked interesting at, with Trevor Simeon at quarterback, and he's been playing a lot better than I thought he would. And and like I said, they, they, if they can find solid five pieces on the offensive line, and and for me that would probably mean not playing Caesar Ruiz at at right guard as much because I think he's he's been he's been quite an issue there. 
then then I think they can they can handle some teams. All right, well, let's uh, let's go over to the defensive side. As you alluded to, I'll ask you to put on your Dennis Allen hat. Uh, the biggest strength of this defense and what gives you confidence in their ability to win this game. I've said numerous times on this pod, uh, the Saints have been one of my favorite defenses to watch these last couple of years. So uh, a lot of different ways you can go with this one. Yeah, and I think one of the interesting things with Dennis Allen over the past few years is that he's switched up his defense a little bit. They play a lot of man-to-man coverage now. They weren't doing that as much in the past. He feels He feels confident with the players that he has. Marshawn Latimer has gotten back to an elite level. He wasn't great last week against Tennessee, but he's gotten back to relatively elite level. And they stopped the run with that. They, you cannot, right now, you can't run on the Saints. Now, it's going to be interesting, Jalen Hurts, and what they can do with the quarterback run game and all the extra gaps that they can present, that the Eagles can present to the Saints. So that'll be interesting. But it's been really tough sledding running on the Saints. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with the type of players they have on the defensive line. We talked about this pre-show. Cam Jordan is not the same Cam Jordan, especially as a pass rusher, but he's such a big body. He gets in the way in the run game. And then the other side, Marcus Davenport is coming along really nicely as kind of like the new Cam Jordan. Same type of body, I think. Uh, a big, big run-stuffing uh, d- defensive end who can now is figuring out how to rush the passer. And I think that's been really good. And they're getting David Onyemata back on the inside. And all this leads to everything funneling to the best player in football, which is Demario Davis. So that's been really nice to see. And the, the safety play, I mean, you, you know, uh, Eagles fans will, will, of course, enjoy the play of Malcolm Jenkins, who's been really good, and Marcus Williams at safety as well. So I think the defensive line has been great this year. Demario Davis has been great this year. That's probably the strength. And, it, and I think it probably allows them to play as much man-to-man as they want. Uh, they they get a bunch of different linebackers on the field. Pete Warren, they drafted out of Ohio State, has been really good this year. I'm very surprised by that. Quan Alexander has been good in spurts this year. Obviously, you you like his athleticism on the field at the other linebacker spot. And it, they've just been, I don't know, they've just been really good. And this is a team that played a lot of quarters last year, a lot of too high stuff. And he just, he just says, screw it. We're going to play man-to-man and we're going to stop you guys. So I, I want to ask you, you talk about the run defense and they are number one in the, basically every metric. And, and when you look at the way that they're able to play, I mean, they're number one in uh, yards before contact, b- before attempt. They're number one in yards bef- uh, after contact per attempt, but they're like 30th or 29th in runs uh, against like boxes. Right? So, so I think when you look at the or against heavy boxes, rather, so they do all of this playing with a lighter box. And uh, I know obviously you have not been watching the Eagles uh, every single game uh, closely this season, but um, early on in the year, they were having issues defending the run against or, or with these lighter boxes, the way that they had been wanting to play. So I want to ask you, when, watching the Saints every single week, what is it that allows them to be so good against the run, despite not playing with those extra bodies up close to the line? Well, like I said, you know, whenever you, you want to do that, and especially in the way Dennis Allen wants to run his defense, it's not necessarily one of these gap and a half or two gap system. They really are a one gap system. And if you're going to do that, you got to have guys who are going to win one on ones inside. And I think that they they certainly have. Like I talk about Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport, whoever plays on you know Tano Capasano and, and Carl Granison also um, get some snap side in, and they've been they've been excellent against the run. Like I said, getting David Onyemata back, who, is, who has been really good uh, in his career, very underrated player. They got him back from suspension a couple of weeks ago. He's been really good. And even guys like, uh, man, I, I I always forget this, some of the interior guys. Like Shai Tuttle. I mean, Sh- like Shai Tuttle. Yeah. Like Christian Ringo like flashes like, at times. Like Those guys have all made plays on tape. 
Yeah, and so that's what I'm saying. Like they get guys who who, who win one on ones, and then you have the cleanup player mm-hmm. uh, inside, and they do some really smart things in terms of what I what I see a lot of these kind of new defenses do is is firing linebackers mm-hmm. quickly and trying to get ex, ex, kind of like quote unquote explosive tackles for loss. You right. saw it with uh, Quan Alexander in the in the Tennessee game. You saw it with Demario Demario Davis in the Seattle game, for example. And I think that's been a really good way to get get some get some kind of like easy TFLs. Uh, Will they run like cross dog stuff and 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 get into the backfield in a hurry? That's really I think been been really the main thing. And then uh, you know they're getting really good support players. Chauncey Gardner Johnson uh, missed last week, but he's a he's a really good run player. Malcolm Jenkins, like I said, is a really good run player. So like they're getting, they're getting like run defense is always going to be a, a team sport, right? Mm-hmm. As we know, and sure. and they're getting really, um, really good play out of individuals, and they're all coming together collectively. That's the thing, uh, you know. I remember when when Shanti Gardner Johnson was healthy, uh, you'd see reps like when they're in their in their sub, and Quan Alexander's walked out over the slot, and you see Chauncey Gardner Johnson in the box, stacked and uh, making plays. I mean, just the way that he was such a big part of that run defense uh, will definitely be felt for them over these next couple of weeks with him out. Uh, another question for you: You're Sean Payton, biggest concern uh, going into this game, into this matchup uh, against the Eagles. Well, like I said, it's it's the uh, it's the receivers. They just can't separate. They can't make contested catches. They can't make any catch. To tell you the truth, uh, they're not. It's 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 rough. It's rough, and I, and they're really the reason why the Saints are five and four. Uh, you take away the the Carolina game where everyone was injured and everyone had COVID, and okay, whatever, take that game away. But after that, it's like the offenses can't move the football, and it's like you know one of the things I look at this. The Falcons game from last week where from two weeks ago where, okay, yeah, they came back. It was great. It was a super fun game. They lost in the last play or whatever. But the reason they were down 24-6 is because they had no receivers. And they were mashing Atlanta on the interior. Now, Atlanta doesn't have a great interior run defense or run defense in general. But the Saints couldn't capitalize on being able to say, hey, we can go and get six yards of pop here. Hey, we can go get five yards. Hey, we can go get seven yards. Because eventually, it's the NFL, right? Eventually, yeah, you can run the ball all you want. Eventually, you're going to have to make plays in the passing game. And they, they, they just they, they can't they just can't make any play in the passing game. You get drops everywhere. You get quarterbacks who, who are looking for open receivers and they're not there. And that's, that's been a problem. The only thing on defense I'll say, because like I said, they've been really good. They have been getting gashed a bit when they play cover two man. So you're seeing Chris Godwin make some plays in the Tampa Bay game. You saw Marcus Johnston make some plays in the uh, in the Tennessee Titans game. They will play a lot of two. They used to be a big quarters team. They're less they're less quarters now, which is like too high zone. Let's say now they're more too high man. Mm-hmm. So cover two man, and when you do that, you're going to get picks and rubs, and you're going to get guys crossing the middle of the field without any linebackers there uh, to to be like a rat type of player or a hole type of player. So that they they been getting gashed a bit on those type of plays. But it hasn't uh, hasn't hurt them too much. But I I, I would expect the, the Eagles to get into some more when they when they know it's coming, get into some more condensed sets and, and get some picks and rubs and get get some guy open over the middle of the field. Yeah, it's something we talked about earlier in the show. Just the the Saints in their man coverage concepts going up against the Eagles will be interesting uh, to watch here in this game, especially considering the success the Eagles had offensively against the Broncos in their man coverage uh, a week ago. Um, most pivotal matchup in your in your mind for this game, and then uh, we'll uh, cut you loose. Whoever three tech for the Eagles against uh, Cesar Ruiz, it's yeah. been bad. Uh, 
he he's getting beat pretty cleanly off the line of scrimmage. You know, he got beat by Jeffrey Simmons and, and I think Danico Oshry a couple times in the Tennessee game. Hasn't been very good. So I don't know if it's, I guess Fletcher Cox is still the three tech there. Yeah, in, it'll, it'll, it'll be mostly Fletcher. Yep. That's not a good matchup. So uh, th- that would, that would concern me quite a bit to tell you the truth. Because oh. uh, every time I see the, a three tech lined up over Ruiz, it, it, it scares me. Interesting. Well, it's something uh, certainly for us to watch. Seth, thanks so much for joining us again. Check out Seth's work over at Pro Football Focus. You can follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Seth and the Two High Pod with Deontay Lee uh, and Seth. It's just outstanding listen every single week. Seth, thanks so much, man. Appreciate you jumping on. Well, great stuff there from Seth Galina. Oh, again, I, I love that podcast, too, the Two High Podcast with Deontay Lee. Uh, I mentioned earlier we had that interview with Shane Steichen from Eagles Game Plan. And as always, we're going to close out the show late this week with some of the the stuff from the cutting room floor, the stuff that didn't make our episode of Eagles game plan this week, but still outstanding analysis from John Clark, Ike Reese, Mike Quick, and of course, Greg Cosell. Due to time constraints, this stuff couldn't make it into the full edited version of the show, but we kept it here for you. Let's get to some of the leftovers from Eagles game plan. Mike Quick, what did you like from Jalen in Denver? I just think he played his very best game and certainly his best half. In that first half, he was perfect. He made all the right decisions. He knew when to run the football. He knew when to, at the line of scrimmage, change plays. He got them out of some tough situations at the line of scrimmage. I just thought he was very decisive when it was time for him to run, taking off running. I thought in passing the football, he knew where to go with the football. And a lot more of that could go a long ways. Yeah, very under control game from Jalen last week, really taking what was there available to him off this run game. I love the way the game plan has mirrored the run versus the pass, and it allows Jalen to have these decisive windows that he can throw the ball in. And I think it gives him that much more confidence to let it go. He played the game from the pocket last week. Teams are going to try to force him to do that, and it's important that he remains confident, stay in there, go through his progressions, and deliver good throws. That second touchdown pass to Devontae Smith is another prime example of him just sitting in there, allowing the routes to develop and making a good throw. I'm glad you mentioned sitting in the pocket because there are many times early that you would see him bail out of the pocket early. And this time he had a little more patience in the pocket. There was one play where you could see him slide to the left, get away from harm's way and make a pass downfield to Dallas Goddard. There were several plays like that where you can see him starting to mature as a quarterback. Yeah. And this week, they face another tough defensive coordinator and difficult defense to play against in Dennis Allen and the Saints. And they're particularly difficult on third down. Now, keep in mind, on third down, they play dime, six defensive backs. But they keep two linebackers on the field, Demario Davis and Quan Alexander. So they have a lot of speed on the field on third down. He's going to see a lot of that on third down against the Saints and opportunities for them to take advantage of man coverage. They did well passing the football versus man coverage, and they also did well as he ran the ball versus man. Yeah, and to me, the important thing there is that he recognized at the snap that they were in man coverage. Yes. So he has this instinct in his head that says, if something is not open immediately, I can take off. And that's a great weapon to have at the quarterback position. Makes it difficult for defenses to find a way to defend him when you're in man coverage. It really is going to put the Saints defensive coordinator in a little bit of a quandary because they like to play man. Yep. But when you have a quarterback that's a dual threat, 
makes it difficult to call man defenses. And how important is it that the Eagles are now sixth in red zone, sixth on third downs? The situational football with coach and quarterback has really improved here. Well, I mean, those are the money downs. That's, yeah. that's really where you make your hay in this league. You got to be able to extend drives by converting third downs. And then when you get down in the red zone, you got to score touchdowns instead of field goals. Right. I mean, that's always the objective of the offense. And you can tell that this Eagles offense, as they found their identity, they've gotten better in both of those areas. And John, it's not just by chance. It's something that they work on. Situational yeah. football, you have to be good at. When you're very good at third down, when you're good in the red zone, you're going to score points. You're going to yeah. keep the ball. You're going to score points. They spend a lot of time in those areas. All right, Trevor Simeon, not bad. Five touchdowns, no interceptions this year, filling in for Jameis Winston. Ike Reese, when you looked at that Eagles defense in Denver, Seemed like the coverage was tighter, huh? Yeah, I think what you're starting to see is the defense is starting to feel a lot more comfortable and confident playing as a unit. Coming into the season, we all wanted to see early success from this unit, but if we look back at it and be realistic about it, this was a unit that was going to take time sure. to grow together. Not only that, but the coaches also learning what these guys, their strength and their weaknesses are. And I think the more games that they play, the better understanding of what guys can do versus what they can't do become clearer to the coaches and now they're putting them in positions of strength and areas where they can excel at and I think that's what you saw last week when I look at some of the coverages right we talk about matching and zone coverage well a lot of that is pre-snap communication and then being able to have that communication once the ball is snapped I think earlier we saw mix-ups and coverages at times what you're seeing now is a unit that's better understanding of what's expected of them and more importantly they understand what the other guys are doing in the defense so now they can play with confidence I love the fact that you're seeing press coverage I love the fact that in a matchup zone guys are plastering receivers as opposed to getting to an area and saying I've done my job so you can take the defense to the next level versus being in the one-on-one section of the defense now we can take it up to the 201 well and when you look at the Saints passing game they just don't have the experience that they've had in the past. There's no Michael Thomas. He was their best receiver. They missed out on the Odell Beckham Jr. sweepstakes. Didn't get him. A couple of young guys, though, and Marquise Callaway, Traquan Smith, these are the guys that Trevor Simeon will have to count on, and a lot of inexperience on the outside. So I like where this matchup is going against the Eagles. All right, and we talked about the defense being tighter, but also how about the play at linebacker? And I know this is going to get him excited. <laughs> Davion Taylor, and this is becoming a playmaking defense. Yeah, and that's what you need. That second level of this defense is starting to make plays, right? We talk about in order to have a good defense, you need playmakers at all three levels. And now they're starting to get those contributions from T.J. Edwards and Davion Taylor. T.J. Edwards, arguably best game of the season for a linebacker against the Chargers two weeks ago. And then Davion last week with the big play that allowed Slade to recover the fumble and then get it in for a touchdown on a fourth and two stop. Here's what I love about the way the linebackers are playing. They've taken their game from doing like what's my sole responsibility to trying to figure out ways I can be impactful out right. there on the field. Right. And that's what this defense needs. Hey, they're playmakers. Playmakers. That's what, <laughs> you have to have playmakers. And yeah. Davion Taylor, he has all the ability, but he just doesn't have experience. And as he plays more, we're going to see more plays from that guy. Yeah. Playmakers at the second level. And again, be sure to check out Eagles Game Plan. It goes up digitally on Friday across all Eagles channels. Or if you live here in the Philadelphia area, make sure you check it out. Sundays, NBC 10 at 10 a.m. Great stuff this week. Seth Galina. 
Ben Fennell, everybody that's been on the show, Greg Cosell earlier this week. Thanks to them and thanks to all of you as well for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week. When the clock hits all zeros, the game might be over, but the action is not. Join us for the post-game show presented by Rico for instant reaction. Watch live as Coach Nick Sirianni and Eagles players come to the podium and meet with the media. We will make sure you do not miss a word. Myself, Ike Reese, and Gabriella DiGiovanni will also break down the game live at the desk and hear from Eagles insider Dave Spadaro to get his thoughts. The post-game show presented by Rico can be seen on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and the team's social media channels.